The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and open up our, the Bible. Not out of the Encyclopedia Britannica today. We believe in the Word of God. We're going to preach and teach from it right now. Stand up on your feet if you would. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings. We're going to read from chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8. We'll read verse 18, 26, and 27. Then we'll go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Then we'll go to the book of Judges chapter 4, verse 6 and 9. Then we'll go to Esther chapter 4, 12 through 16. And if you can't follow that, I'll remind you. And it should be up on the, on the, on the screens as well. 2 Kings chapter 8. Are you all there? Say, woo! Oh, 2 That was good. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 18. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Go to verse 26. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri, the king of Israel verse 27 and he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab in other words the dude married Jezebel's daughter bad idea go now to a second text if you would the same book 2nd Kings chapter 5 verse 2 story of Naaman and his leprosy. Verse 2 reads, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife and she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Very good. Go to the book of Judges. We're doing a compilation of some women in Scripture on this special message on Mother's Day. Judges chapter 4, the story of Deborah. Verse 6. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinohim, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you ten thousand men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sesera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river of Keshon. And I will deliver him into your hand. Verse 8. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. If you will not go with me, I will not go. What a sissy. Anyway, verse 9. 
So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey that you're taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Very good. The book of Esther. The book of Esther. Hallelujah. Getting your Bible reading in today. Book of Esther chapter 4. And find verse 12. So they told... Mordecai Esther's words and Mordecai told him the answer of Esther do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews for if you remain completely silent at this time relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place but you and your father's house will perish Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Esther told him a reply of Mordecai, Go to all the Jews who are present at the Shushan, and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together as a body, the encouragement of the completion of the vision of the one twenty twenty, and now on this special Mother's Day, I ask that you would release to each of us living understanding. Come on, ask God to speak to you in the closing moments. We're just going to be here another 20 minutes or so. Closing moments of the service. That you would speak to us and give us living understanding. That you would encourage and strengthen us by your mighty word. I thank you that your word is a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces. Your word is like fire that burns up everything in its path. Lord, have your will. Have your way. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. It's good to be in church. All right, you may be seated. All of us influence people. Every one of us are influencing somebody, whether you realize it or not. I just got back from Washington, uh, pardon me, from Oregon. And I was there on invitation so that I would perform and lead the wedding vows and oaths for two kids that are no longer kids. They were in our church that we pastored in Kauai, and they've grown up. They're young adults now, and they got married yesterday, and it was a beautiful thing. They wanted me to come because they were in the services where the power of God was coming down, and they got touched by God when they were just in, in high school and even in elementary school or middle school, I should say. And they were so touched that they said, well, we want Pastor Daniel. Pastor Daniel, would you please come and perform our wedding? And I, I flew to Oregon, and I had the privilege of doing that, and the families came together. That happened because somehow they were influenced through my leadership, and it was a, it was a great joy. There are some people that influence nations. How many of you know President Barack Obama is influencing our nation? Frankly, I'm not too happy about it. We can't look to a president that's going to bring revival, though. You know that. 
And I, I can't be happy with same-sex marriage and abortion and the things that are just come against the word of God. And if you're a believer, that really is how it is. It's not about whether him being white or black or anything. He's both. I don't know why they call him black. He's, he's, he's not really black. He's both, right? Hello. Anyway, it's kind of another message. But he's influencing our nation. And there are others that have influenced our nation. Billy Graham and John Cartwright. How about him? You ever heard a circuit riding preacher who traveled a Methodist from the shouting Methodist that brought revival? And certainly, all of us will influence somebody. Some of you had godly mothers, and maybe some of you didn't have a mother at all that you knew. If you're here, you had a mother. You weren't born in a test tube, so I mean, everybody has a mother, whether you know her or not. Maybe she was a godly mother, maybe she wasn't so godly. But we've all been influenced by relationships and certainly been influenced by our mothers. Influence is defined as a compelling force. Now, we do have notes. Did you all have notes? You got them? All right, good. If you don't have them, just raise your hand. They'll bring that to you. Inf- uh, influence is defined as a compelling force to produce the effects on the actions, behavior, opinions of others. It's a force that changes us. Influence. God has called us to be an influential force in the earth for the kingdom of God. He's called you. He's called me to influence for the kingdom. And we can influence for good or for evil. We talked about Jezebel's daughter. That was evil. We can influence for good or for evil. Let me ask you, how are you doing in your area of influence? We need people who will be a godly influence in this world, in our community. And God has called us to be influential on his behalf and around the world. So let's look at these texts, if we can. The effect of an ungodly influence. So Ahab marries this woman. Her name is Jezebel. And many of you know the story. She represents the one who would bring evil influence. And evil she brought, for sure. She was the king of, the, the king of Sidonian's daughter. And she was a wicked, perverse idolater that led Israel into apostasy and was mightily used by the enemy. Ahab was her husband. He was the king of the northern kingdom, uh, the northern tribes. At that time, Israel was split. You had 10 tribes to the north and two tribes to the south because of the sin of Solomon. How many of you know that story? And so he was... He was the king of the north, the, the tribes to the south with the tribes of Benjamin and Judah. And you can read 1 Kings 16 talks about how wicked she was. Her influence continues even in the next generation. Jehoshaphat. How many of you know the story of Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat was a great king. Dumb as a box of rocks when it comes to marrying his daughter off, uh, rather his son. His son marries Athaliah. Athaliah is Jezebel's daughter. How many of you know you probably don't want to participate in that family? This might be a newsflash to some of you. The second most important decision you make in your life is the person you marry. The first one is giving your heart to Jesus. The second one is your spouse. And may God have mercy on you if you pick wrongly. Now, it's just really simple to me. It really, don't do missionary dating. 
Date somebody that loves God way more than you. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of rules we have for our kids, both my daughter and my son. I love this story that a friend of mine uh, is a pastor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He had such a close relationship with his sons. He had four sons, of course, his daughter also, and his daughter. That when it came time for them to pick their spouse, they would come and ask for the blessing on it. And so he, the one son brings this, this girl from the church. She loved the Lord, brings him, brings him in, stands before his father, says, Dad, we want to talk to you about something. He says, okay. He sits down, he says, we're thinking about courting and getting married. And the father says, well, it's not going to work. He says, it's not? He says, no, it'll never work out. And so he looks at the young lady, he says, I'm sorry. And she was, she was on fire, she loved the Lord. And his son was on fire, they loved the Lord, they're living right, doing all of that. No, it's not going to work out. He says, well, we really want to do it. He says, well, if you do it, I won't give you my blessing. And he says, oh. So he looks at the girl and says, well, I guess that's it. You see, the blessing and, and, and wholeness in families and marriages is crucial. So Jehoshaphat, he must have bumped his head coming out of the temple or something because he, he gave his son to the daughter of Jezebel. Her name was Athaliah. Now, some would, say, some would even think at what I just said as controlling. How controlling. I will tell you, I'll never pick your spouse. Somebody say, praise the Lord. You let the Lord help you pick your spouse. We're not going to pick your couch. We're not going to tell you what to do in your life. We'll teach you the word. Then let God lead you. Amen. That, that's, that's my job. That's our job as leaders, as a church here, to teach you, to equip you. Then you be led by the Lord. But I have known many people who've gotten married outside of the plan of God. And what ends up happening is they have a life ministry. Then instead of going to the mission field or fulfilling the big dreams that God gave them, they have a ministry of working out their nightmare marriage day in, day out with, with a husband or a wife that doesn't want to serve God and kids that are confused. I'm just telling you. This bonus, it's really not a part of the message. But Jehoshaphat's oldest son, his name is Jehoram. He marries the daughter of Ahab, Jezebel, and this chick is wicked. He's wicked. She's bad. And um, he only reigns one year, and he dies. And after he dies, this, this Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel, murders all the royal family, all the murders of the entire royal family. Except one little boy gets away, and later he becomes king. It was all the result of Jezebel's influence. It was influence, not for good, for evil. Power, control, manipulation, fear, idol worship. Idol worship. The result of Jezebel's influence, look at number five, we're right there in the notes. The result of Jezebel's influence was Baal worship, murder, selfishness, which afflicted the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern region of Judea. But I'm so glad that there's influences for good, which brings us, thankfully, to this next girl, woman, we should say. But it does say girl. Slave girl. Now, we don't know if she's married, doesn't say. We don't know if she had any kids. It's just a point of influence. We don't even know her name, but she knew that there was a prophet. She knew that there was a man of God that could bring miracles for Naaman. And she loved this family. Her whole family was probably wiped out in the raids. So here she is, and she has a love for this family of Naaman. And she says, oh, if Naaman would only go 
to the prophet. She'd be healed. And that influence actually released the power of God for Naaman the Syrian who goes and he talks to the prophet and he has to overcome his discouragement but eventually obeys the word of the Lord and dips five times in the Jordan. He was distressed by it because the Jordan's all murky. Now I've not been there but we are taking a trip in November and we're going to invite anybody that wants to be a part of that. We'll have a meeting. We'll let you know we're taking a trip to Israel. So excited about it. The Jordan's kind of ugly. The rivers back where he come from were beautiful. Why do I have to dip in a murky river? And his, one of his men said, dude, just do it. And so he dips, not four times, but five times. And when he comes up, or maybe seven, seven times. It's a number of completion. He dips seven times, comes up totally clean, miracle. That miracle came about because of a young girl. Well, it says girl, so we'll say that she's young. Her influence. Wow. You can influence people for good or for bad. The result was God's powers put on display right there in your notes. And the result was name an Assyrian becomes a worshiper of God. And you can see that he, he takes dirt back. It was a picture of him becoming a worshiper and the significance of the soil in Israel. The third historic event is this mighty woman of God, Deborah, the prophetess, influenced Barak to raise an army to fight against Israel's oppressor, King Jabin. His name wasn't Jabin. Jabin's like Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a title for the king over Egypt. Jabin was a title for the king over the Canaanites. The king Hazor, king of Hazor. And uh, for 20 years, this king of Hazor basically tormented God's people. And Deborah rises and prophesies deliverance. She speaks the word of the Lord to Barak. And Barak, he's reluctant to believe her. She takes action, goes to war with Barak, and they end up winning. And the result of her influence is great victory for God's people. Listen, the way that you're influencing people, the way that I'm influencing people can result in either great deliverance, great freedom, great healing, or great bondage. And we move on to this story of an orphan, Esther. Raised by her uncle Mordecai. The Jews had been taken into captivity generations before by Nebuchadnezzar, and Uncle, Nebuchadnezzar, uncle Mordecai, pardon me, had a role to play. And there was this man, his name is Haman. There is a Haman spirit that hates the Jews, still operates today. And Haman wanted to basically bring about a genocide for all of the Jews. And the same thing is happening today through ISIS. And Esther influenced her husband, King Xerxes. And she influenced him to allow the Jews to defend themselves from Haman's plan to kill the Jews. She influenced him. And she risked her life in doing it. The end result is the sparing of all the Jewish people and the destruction of their enemies. Actually, Haman hangs on his own gallows and his whole family. God turns it around. Listen, I'm telling you, no matter what you're facing today, it doesn't matter what obstacle you're facing. It doesn't matter what difficulty is before you. God has a way out. And I will say also that he will always stand and protect Israel. You say, is that a prophetic word from you? No, it's in Scripture. The very fact 
fact that Israel exists is a statement that God exists and it will never be wiped out. You watch and you watch as time goes on and we might end up in a nuclear war. We might have some things coming down the pike. You better be get close to Jesus. Could be an influence by your cell phone and by the internet and all kinds of perversion and stuff. Break away from that kind of influence. Get close to God. Let the word of God influence in you. Get, get, in, get into relationships that will hold you accountable and tell you to stop it when you're acting stupid. Wow. Who knows? For maybe you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Kind of amazing that Esther saved the Jews. God's name is never mentioned in that book. It's the only book in all of the Bible. I just find that amazing. You'll never see the name of God or anything in the book of Esther. It's unusual. All right, how, how these women became godly influences. Some of the things they overcome, the slave girl didn't allow her circumstances to prevent her from sharing her convictions and faith. Don't allow people's, your circumstances to shut you down. Don't be intimidated by people. The name of the game in spiritual warfare is intimidation. If the devil can get you to shut up or get you afraid to get you being quiet, then you'll never walk in victory, ever. Stand up, be counted for it. Do the right thing. If people don't like it, well, they can pound sand. Whatever that means. I'm not sure what that means, but. It's not here for a popularity contest. We're here to obey the word of God. And even the elect, even some of the elect to be led astray signs and wonders and the sloppy grace message it's out there you cannot receive jesus and go and do whatever you want to that it's not a biblical thing you can't just oh you're forgiven now so you can go smoke crack and rejoice what oh yeah i'm it's all under the blood <laughs> uh no bunch of nonsense being taught out there False teachers is what they are, and they're influencing the body of Christ. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I've, I've, I preached a series on grace not long ago, which really could be never-ending. There's so many facets to it. But we have some dear friends, which I haven't even got to tell you about, uh, that were influenced by this, you know, you can just live whichever way you want to message and, and love the Lord and go and do whatever you want. They're totally shipwrecked. They were on fire for God. They're both back on drugs. They're totally destroyed their lives. They were, they were living a decade free and on fire. Got a hold of this thing that it's okay. It's all good. And now they're back. Lost everything. Marriage is lost. The kids are lost. The whole thing's lost. That's a bad influence. Well, this slave girl didn't allow her circumstance to prevent her from sharing her convictions in your faith. And no matter where you are, you just keep telling the truth. No matter what you're going through, keep declaring it, keep proclaiming it. Deborah, now let's look at Deborah very quickly. Deborah was a woman who knew the surety, the surety of God's word. Knew God's word. Uh, last service, I had, a, I had a, um, a very excited young man begin to uh, tell me his latest revelation one really big problem it's not God that's the problem and no matter what kind of excitement and, and exuberance he was in he was entering into deception he said how do you know he's entering into deception because his revelation didn't line up with God's word it's pretty simple 
thank God for the Word of God. It, it helps us. You can't just, you know, go fancy pants out and just do whatever you want to, believe whatever you want to. It's all good. It's not all good. Deborah knew the surety of God's word. I'm, I'm going to tell you, all you need in your life is one word from God. You just, one word from God. Jesus wept. You could whip the devil up with Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus is weeping for me at the throne right now. Jesus wept. You could win every battle with, with just the name of Jesus. Come on, if you get the word of God over your situation, your circumstances, your difficulty, your trial, the thing that you're fighting against, you get God's word in your life. You get a hold of that thing and you wield the sword of the word and you can just take the heads off of the opposition in the spirit and begin to move forward into destiny and purpose. Deborah knew God's word. She knew that God had spoken. As a result, her influence brought deliverance. And the same could be true for you and your family. Just takes one. Just takes one in a family to get a hold of the truth. Just one. I call them a rope holder or a well digger. And they could have influence. Some of your mothers, man, they really influenced you for good. Hallelujah. Thank God for godly mothers. Thank God for godly grandmothers. Thank God that they, that they, they spoke the truth even when it hurts. My mother rebuked me this morning. It irritated me. I did, it did. It irritated me. You know, afterwards, how many of you noticed this is not so much fun to get corrected by your mother? I'm almost 50. Give me a break. But you know, mothers never stop being mothers. So she rebuked me. I wish her happy Mother's Day. And, and the Lord had spoken to her and she corrected me for something. I got a little irritated. It's funny how we can receive correction from all kinds of people, but when your mother would talk to you, it just gets a little irritated. Am I the only one? Is it just me? Not all the time, but in this particular case, it just, I thought it was like, really? Anyway, I had to call her back. I was standing with Mike back there. I, first service started. I, I got on my phone. I said, I repent. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Let's move on. See, <laughs> Esther knew that she was placed in a position for such a time as this. And she showed great courage and wisdom. You may not be aware of it. But God may have placed you in the situation that you're in. See, sometimes we're in situations that are difficult. And we go, the devil, the devil. Oh, yeah? Well, maybe it's not the devil. And it's hard to rebuke God. Let me just say this. You can't rebuke God. So when God comes to help you and he helps you through some suffering, I mean, sometimes you have to go through stuff. Come on, Paul, with the sinking vessel, the boat that was sinking. 240 whatever, the book of Acts. The boat sinking. God, you wouldn't put me on a boat that sinks. No. He put Paul there. Right. <laughs> Lord, you wouldn't make me go through suffering. Really? He crucified his son. He might be planning yours. You don't smile at me. I mean your flesh, your fallen human nature, all of that. I don't mean your own personal death. He wants you to live and live the life abundantly. But many times we'll be in situations that are difficult and they're painful. Pastor Alex is like, good, make sure you make sure the crucifixion thing. Make sure you don't let the... Uh, Make sure, ah. Don't want to be confused. 
the Apostle Paul in a boat that's sinking. Why? Could it be that because his very position on that boat was so that God would then stand? And he warned them, but they didn't listen to him. He says, there's a nor'easter coming, and we're going to have a problem. They didn't listen to him, but he's still on the boat. He's a prisoner. The boat's sinking, and the angel of God comes and stands next to Paul. You can go read it, book Acts. I think it's, where is it? Somewhere, towards the end. 27. And, he, and the angel comes and stands by him. And, and we know that because he, dec- he, he makes a speech to the boat. He says, the God whom, whom I am and whom I belong to, angels stood, the angel of the Lord stood next to me and told me not alone will be lost. And, and God rescues everyone on that boat. Do you know that I think there would have been a lot of drowned people if Paul wasn't on the boat? Could it be that God has placed you in a position because he knows you can handle it. He knows that you can stand it. He knows that you can take the heat. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. You stand against the wiles of the enemy and let God use you like an Esther. You declare, you proclaim, you decree what the truth is and you watch God come through. Who knows? Maybe you were born for such a time as this. Who knows? Don't let the devil lie to you. You might, listen, we don't usually preach suffering. But it's true. It comes to you. It comes to me. Oh, God, you hear those prayers. Lord, I want to know the power of your resurrection. Don't forget the next verse. And the fellowship of your suffering. Woo-hoo, yeah. Sign me up. Who do you want to suffer for Jesus? Yeah, you don't want to raise your hand, but the truth is, welcome to the human race. You're going to go through some stuff, but in the midst of that, like in Esther, God will use you. He will use you, and he used Esther to save, basically, genocide Jews. Well, hallelujah. All right, let's begin to complete this. Things we can do to have a positive influence, things we can do to have a godly influence. One, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check your attitude when you come. Check, your, check on your attitude. How's your attitude today? Some of you need an attitude adjustment. I've learned to use the illustration many times. Pat's a pilot, and maybe we've got some other pilots here. An attitude indicator will, will determine your altitude. Yeah, and it's just true. If you're going through something, check yourself. Get, check your attitude. How you doing? Are you have gratitude? If you don't, you can end up in trouble. Our emotions get the better, the, you know, the best of us many times. And I've, I've disqualified myself with a bad attitude before. I think the enemy tries to get us right before we have some divine appointment. So that you're all bent out of shape and bowed up. And you miss it. Whoosh. Watch your attitude. Secondly, we must not let fear stomp us. Don't let fear get a hold of you. Don't do it. Barak yielded to fear. I mean, eventually followed through, but don't let fear get a hold of you. Don't let fear keep you back. I'm sure Esther was afraid. Can you imagine being her walking in? All the fellows don't imagine being her. Ladies, can you imagine? Can you imagine walking into the king's palace there and standing before him knowing that if he didn't tip his scepter towards you, you'd just get killed. What a moment that would have been as you waited there for whether you had favor or not. Don't, don't fear the enemy. Don't fear the devil. Don't fear what he can do to you. Have a healthy fear of God. That's what you want to have. It'll keep you. It'll help you. Amen. Just be willing to make influencing people. Oh, pardon me. See, 
Be willing to speak out and get involved. Everybody say, get involved. Get involved. You must be willing to speak and declare the truth, as I've said so many times during this sermon. You must be willing to make influencing others for good our top priority, no matter what. Influence people, witness to people. When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you won somebody to the Lord? If you don't know how to do that, we'll help you. But influence people, pray for people, get involved in the political process, maybe even run for office. Do something, make a difference. All right, God's speaking to us, ask you some questions. Who are you influencing? Who is in, in the realm of, of your life that you're influencing? Who is it? And ask yourself, are you influencing them for good or for evil? How are you doing? Secondly, who's influencing you? And I, I said in the first service, I'll say again, this is very scary. These, these phones, smartphones, it's the world at your fingertips. Two days ago, no, I should say five days ago, my phone died. And when I mean died, it wasn't a battery death. It was, a, it was a, a, just an epic blow-up failure, blue-green screen going back and forth. I mean, really bad, right? Dead. So I go to AT&T. God bless them, if he can. And I tell them, I'm on the island of Maui. I'm at this conference. I said, my phone's dead. I need a new one. They said, oh, well, you got to go to Apple. You got to go to the Apple store. That's great. There's no Apple store on the island of Maui. It's a problem. So I need another phone. They said, well, um, you know, we can call them right now and... And then you can pay them $750 and they'll send you a new one. I thought, uh, no. It's under warranty. Like, no. So he says, well, you can send it to Honolulu. So I don't have time to go to Honolulu. I fly to Portland tomorrow. And so my phone's off, basically. And it was a hassle. But I noticed something. I noticed, once again, how utterly distracting this thing is. Oh, it's awesome that I can like run my office while drinking a cup of Starbucks in some city, send out emails and answer stuff and do all kinds of things. It's great. I see a whole generation getting defiled on these things. On, on airplanes, I see, I see before the plane takes off, I see, I see adults with pornography sitting right next to me, right next to me, watching stuff, polluting themselves. I see kids who have been, by parents, abdicating their role as being a teacher and mentor and just handing things to their kids so that they have little babysitters. Little babysitters called an iPad. Listen, iPads and iPhones and Androids and all of those things can be wonderful and be very helpful, but don't you abdicate your position as a parent to teach your kid. You better know where they're at with this thing. You better know where they're going. You better know what they see. You say, how do you do that? Oh, there's all kinds of ways to do it. And if you let, I'm just saying, I, you know, you let, your, you let your kid take it to bed at night, you're stupid. No, I trust my kid. Oh, I trust my kids too. I don't trust some other people though. That maybe they, they have, come on, to just be able to, there's stalkers on Facebook. They're not going to influence my home. You got to have a wall up. You know, maybe we should have Trooper Leith come and share with us once again. He shared at a men's time about the, the great dangers of, of the internet. 
And I think the men were in shock. We were in shock. We might probably need to do that again. It's dangerous, isn't it, Trooper? Lives are getting destroyed, right? Every day. Unsuspecting people. Come here for a second. I'm sorry. I need to do this. It's going to save somebody's life. We, we respect you. And is a great man of God. He serves our, serves our community. Just, just, just give me, give me, preach to me for 30 seconds here about these things. Go for it. You guys all know, most of us know the dangers behind the phones and, and the internet. If you wouldn't drop your kids off in Los Angeles at two in the morning in the alley. Oh my gosh. Or in Las Vegas at three in the morning with a thousand dollars in their pocket. I'm sorry. Who would do that? Would anybody here? Cause we're going to pray for you right now. Lay hands on you this minute. Amen. All right. I'm not, I'm not kidding with any of you. You guys all know you have friends who've been to prison. You've had friends who've died. I, I see the people that die. I see the people that are dying. I see the people in prison for life. My, my investigators interview people who are going to jail for, for the rest of their lives because they've committed crimes that started with internet. And it started with crime that they got addicted to on the internet. It happens every single day to good people. And I tell you right now, my sons... Oh, to good people. To, to good people. So they're not actually well... They're, they're not evil meaning. They're actually good people that don't really mean to get tripped up in it. No. My, my sons... So that phones? basically could be any... I'm sorry. That could, that could be any of us here then? Okay. So if, so if you've got a phone in your pocket, I got one on my hip right now. But if you have a phone and you've got a passcode on that phone and your spouse doesn't know about it, you've got a problem. Yeah. If you've got a phone at night in your house and it goes past your front door, past your front place, you can sit it down where the whole family can see it, you've got a problem. Hey. And I, I, you can deny it all you want. I'm a human being and I'll admit it right now. Yeah. My phone sits on my counter in my house because there's too much temptation on that dang thing. And my passcode, my wife knows it. And God knows your heart. God knows what you're doing with that phone. And if your kids, if you're willing to drop your kids off with a drug dealer, with a thief, with a rapist, then give them the phone. Let them, let them walk away with it at school or wherever it is. Disconnect your, your, your wireless at night. Whatever you have to do to protect your children. Because I wouldn't let my kids or my wife alone with someone who I know was, was a, a violent offender. And that's what we do when we hand that phone to somebody and put it in our pocket. So when you have that phone, remember, imagine giving that phone over to God in the next 30 seconds. Is there anything on that thing that you wouldn't want him to see? You need to, you need to change the way you're doing things. Praise the Lord. Much better to go to, go to heaven with a flip phone. I'd rather go to heaven with a flip phone than to hell with an Android. So, so think about that. Thank you, Trooper. Now, listen, let me, let me, let me qualify. You didn't know you were going to come and preach this morning, did you, Trooper? Thank you. Let me qualify because I, I know his heart. He's not saying you don't give anybody a phone. He's saying you have accountability. Yes. You do it the right way. You don't just, you know, you don't just turn it loose and never look, look or think about it. Because, because, listen, I have counseled with people that have been greatly damaged. Some of you are foolish. You stop it right now. I rebuke you as your pastor. You get a hold of what's going on with your kid and their phone. Correct it. Listen, some of you need to hear that. That is absolutely, might be just for one family. But we're going, we're, we're live all over the internet. Very important. Men, women, you need to be an account, accountable. You know, it used to be that women just, uh, men committed adultery. It is not the case anymore. Lots of women now. It's both. It used to be just men that were the dogs. There's a big flip on that now. Now it's both. We need to protect yourselves, guard over each other. Amen. Not, not fear. It's called wisdom. Fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Okay, let's move on. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I came to church today. Praise God.
Look, if we complete this, God's people must pray for an increase in godly influence. We need to influence our community. It's one of the reasons I'm so blessed that God gave us that property to greet every single human being that drives up that freeway. To see, you'll see just like this epic church with this mega cross. It just, it's going to be awesome. Just going to make a statement, God's on the throne. You won't be able to take the cross down either because it's our property. Tough. You can pound sand also. Man, I don't think that cross is too bad. We own the property. We can do whatever we want. Come on, somebody give me an amen. And vote on it. It's just too bad. For those that don't want it, tough. Don't demean the role you play as a significant influence. Harry Truman. Harry Truman. I need that letter. It's in my Bible somewhere or something somewhere. Harry Truman was raised in a home where his mother... I mean, you know who Harry S. Truman is? Raised in a home where his mother taught him the Bible and taught him about Israel. Does anybody know what Harry Truman did? Who, 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 who could... Who could fathom the, 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 the influence that you're having that maybe I'm having it's bigger than you know let me read this to you in conclusion and we're going to pray for the moms did we pray already? oh yeah okay that was the first service it was good though alright we're going to pray for you ladies and we'll be done this is a letter that was written on May 3rd 2015 it's a little wrinkled because I it got wrinkled and um it's written to Dr. Morocco, who's my pastor and the apostolic leader over this work and network now of 124 different churches. And I just wanted to share it with you because it's profound about the faithfulness of God over really a 50-year period and how God touched a family, brought influence, the influence of a mother. Listen to this. I hope this letter finds you well. As you know, our family's been mourning since the passing of our brother. You were gracious enough to bless us by helping us in our time of sorrow. We know the difficulties that you went through to be able to perform the funeral service for us. And we're truly thankful for your kindness. This man uh, died and uh, Dr. Morocco changed his plans, changed, jumped on a plane. As a family's been a part of our church for over 35 years, longer. Been a, been, he's been in their life as their pastor for 40, 40 plus years. In all, it was a beautiful program. Your sermon struck our hearts, leaving us strengthened and blessed. In particular, you mentioned that mom asked you to look after her sons when you moved to Maui to start your church. So what this precious lady is referring to is that Dr. Morocco in 1979 and then in 1980 got a call to leave Honolulu to move to Maui. So in 1980... This lady writing this letter's mother says to Dr. Morocco, please look after my sons. And Dr. Morocco says, I'll do it. That's 1980. He moves to Maui. She says, this is the first time we heard of mom's request to you. This is an incredible story of a mother's deep love for her children and a faithful pastor who kept his promise. My brothers did share over the years that you visited with them at their work sites and their places of play. They all said that you were different than most preachers because they felt comfortable talking with you. 
And although I think they could have participated in church activities a little more, the time you took to talk story with them, I believe, has gotten them closer to you and to God. In this way, I feel you were fulfilling the promise you made to mom. My brother, this is the one who's still alive, said that while you were sharing about mom, he saw, so this is another brother, not the one that's passed. I have to leave names out. Said that while you were sharing, he saw mom in heaven with a bow and a golden arrow. And she released a golden arrow aimed at all the members of the family. The golden arrow was love. He sobbed as he spoke. Something in his heart was released and he felt a flood of love pour into him. Not a day goes by that I don't think of mom and her bow and the golden arrow using my brother's vision at the funeral. Brought us together to cleanse our spirits and tighten our relationships. Dear Pastor Morocco, in the name of Jesus, I pray for you, your family, your church. I pray that he would bless you even as you've been a blessing to us. P.S. I'd also like to share about Pastor Albert Kamau. Now, Pastor Albert Kamau has been on our staff for 30 years. When he prays, he's the first one that went to pray for me. Actually, he never laid hands on me. He stood before me to pray for me. I got hit by the power of God. I've never been the same since then. I've known him since I crawled in the church, and that's how I came in. I'd like to share about Pastor Albert Kamau, and he was a childhood family friend, and I've not seen him for well over 50 years. The first word he said to me was there was a family relationship that needed healing. And as he spoke, I was completely stunned and speechless. How did he know this fact? I've been carrying this sadness for years. And I've only shared my grief with my husband and the Lord. My tears flowed as Pastor Kamau said that the Lord would heal this relationship. And although this relationship is not healed, there has been healing. The healing that day was for me. This burden that I've been carrying for years, I laid at the feet of Jesus. The pain that was in my heart was taken away and replaced with peace. I know that the broken relationship will heal in God's time and not mine. My mother's golden arrow pierced my heart that day. (laughs) This God-appointed time was truly a blessing that I will remember the rest of my life. Who knows what God's doing through you? Be mindful of it. You're in a moment of time. It'll never come again. The words that you speak, the smile that's on your face, how you reached out, how you blessed somebody, maybe you gave them money or you prayed for them, how you helped them, will have even far-reaching consequences, even to eternity. You're influencing somebody. All of us are. Influence them for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Would you all stand up on our feet? I want to invite all the moms in the house to come. Whether you're a spiritual mother or just a mother of children, we're so thankful we want to honor you and give you a gift. Would you come and then we'll close our service. Thank you for coming today. Put your hands together for these ladies. Come on, put your best hand clap together for them. Come on. Come just fill in right here. We're going to pray, minister to you. Y'all look lovely today. Happy Mother's Day.
Come on, everybody say Happy Mother's Day on three. One, two, three. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Reach your hands towards these. Would you come in just a little closer? Make some room for folks. Ushers, would you come and just distribute these irresistible chocolate strawberries with a scripture for you? So they're going to they're gonna go ahead and hand you, and let's go ahead and hand those out. We appreciate you. We really do. Thank you for your, your long-suffering and your, your patience and your kindness. Thank you for all the prayers that you prayed. Thank you for birthing, for bringing forth a generation. Thank you. Thank you. Being a mom sometimes is a thankless job. For a number of years, we used to, we used to read the two definitions of going to bed. And then the mom would say, well, I'm going to bed, dear. And the husband's watching something on TV. So she would, she would go and fix the laundry, put away the food, finish the dishes, straighten up outside, get things ready for tomorrow, prepare some of the clothes, help the kids into bed, make lunch maybe. You know, it takes about an hour and a half maybe. That's one definition of going to bed. Then the husband said, honey, I'm going to bed. And he gets up and does. He goes to bed. Well, we just appreciate you. We really do. Reach your hands towards these. Come on, let's bless these ladies. Father, we thank you for them, for their lives, for their families, for their children. If there's any of these families that are not serving the Lord, that don't know you, we call them in today, every child to come to serve the Lord. We call them in. We call them in. We call them home. We pray healing. Lord, for those who are grieving at this time where maybe their mom has passed, even in the congregation, those online, Lord, release your healing touch for those that are grieving, those that are hurting, maybe those that have lost a child. God, I pray you'd heal and and help them right now. That you would strengthen them with might in their inner being, them being rooted and grounded in love. Lord, they would fulfill all the purpose that you have for them. Bless these, I pray. Pastor Karen. Lord, I just thank you for each and every woman here. And Lord, I thank you that for the position of influence that you have put over us, whether uh, it's, we know it's in our family, but just even in our community and with the different people that we come into contact with. And Lord, we are asking God that you, uh, even as it says in Proverbs 31, charm is deceptive beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised and so lord that's our desire this morning lord we want to be women who fear you we want to hold you in reverence and all we want to do things your way we want to rightly represent you god to our families to our children to our to our uh, community And Lord, we are asking God today just for an increase of of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, knowledge of the Holy One, which is understanding. That you would cause us to be those mothers that you have called us to be, not the one that society has called us to be. Not the one that across the street, we're not to be like her, or the one that comes at you. We're to be the one that you have called us personally to be. Individually. With all of our varying personalities, our strengths and our weaknesses, God, let us be that woman, that mother that you have called us to be. 
And the Lord just says, thank you this morning for all of your sacrifice, for doing things that are mundane maybe in, in your own eyes, the changing of diapers, the cleaning up after everybody continually, dishes and laundry and maybe you're a full-time career mom that works in the marketplace and then you do all that other stuff too all the different hats that you wear the lord says thank you to you this morning thank you for standing in the gap thank you for saying yes and he just blesses you and we call you blessed this morning we say thank you we rise up as a church family just stretch your hands everybody and just we just call you blessed this morning we say thank you with the lord in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just, just a moment longer. Would you all just bow your heads all across this place? If you're not right with God, we want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to him. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, have believed on him, his death, his resurrection, won't you do that now here in the sanctuary, those online? If that's you, want to make a decision to live for God, just pray this prayer right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. And thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray, fill, touch, heal. Heal these. Healing. Healing for marriages in Jesus' name. Healing for families, the blessing of God. Fill them full of your spirit. Do miracles, miracles of healing, miracles of provision, and the blessing of God. In Jesus' name, take someone by the hand, ladies, just right where you're at, just grab somebody by the hand. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight. Missionary from Bethel. He runs the Dream Center. Going to be here tonight. Going to be awesome. Six o'clock. God bless you and happy Mother's Day to you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.